You're listening to AM331. From the mists of infinity, they come, rising from the cold, damp earth to take what is now theirs. My God, When the moon turns red, the dead shall rise and walk the earth. From the gates of hell, they have finally come. The gates of hell. No one under 17 admitted without parent or certified adult guardian. Hey, up! How are you? It's another another Sunday morning, Saturday night. Another late night. Another another late 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 night. Uh, I think this new. Uh, <clears throat> I think the film we watched tonight is probably the closest to how I f- what I feel is a real sa- a real sleepover movie that we've done in a while. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this is something we've, we've kind of geared. We've drifted off in terms of definitely. We've all done. We've done things that we we love, and that maybe we would have watched the sleepover, or we would watch the sleepover. But this, this is something th- you go th- with your pals and be like, "This movie looks really <laughs> good." <laughs> this is this is like I feel like pizza this party is, material. This is probably a real sleepover movie for a lot of people. Well, especially I think uh, dudes our age, because like when you were that young, I guess it's like you know. A, a guy in the 50s watching Dennis the Menace, a kid. It's like, or, you know, Cowboys and Indians. When you're a kid the same age and you can have that relationship. And then the 80s was such a hodgepodge of times where you had great stories like that. You had the Goonies, you had the Explorers, you had, um, you know, uh, even the freaking, uh, what's the one we said, the Disney movie, uh, Flat the Navigator. Yeah, yeah. You know, so you have all these crazy movies that you can just jump right onto. Even like the second Indiana Jones had Short Round. So you can envision yourself. So then you end up playing this. So it's like not only do you see it, you have like this big like um, obsession with it for a little while where you play after school for a couple of days with it. And you know <laughs> what I mean? It's, or you try to, you know, because like look at the, the like the, uh, there's a clubhouse in this movie. And it's like that is the baddest ass clubhouse. And I was looking at it now as like a 36-year-old adult watching. I was like, you know what? If I had kids and I made them a clubhouse, I would get old car seats because you can just bolt those suckers in. And you don't have to worry about the furniture moving and some kid falling off. You just bolt those suckers in. Great idea. <laughs> <laughs> Production brilliant. Department. Yeah, brilliant <laughs> idea. Look at me. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Completely. It's a. Uh, it's a. It's a. It's a really tour de force. For I don't think child. I ever watched it at a sleepover, but I can imagine this being a big sleepover movie. I feel like this movie. Uh, I never saw it until you, when we lived together post college. Uh, I remember it. It came out 86, 87. 87, I think, yeah. And it came and went, and a couple of my friends went and saw it in the theater, and then it was gone. And then I, uh, it came on the paid channels, which at that time we didn't have. There was a gap where we didn't have stuff. And I remember seeing bits of it, like the, the, the mummy scene running away from the Jeep I caught once. Yeah, That's yeah. The only, and then I, then I forgot about it for 20 years. And then uh, we had a bootleg of it, maybe, because it hadn't been officially been released onto yeah, yeah. DVD. Yeah, I had purchased a bootleg of it at, uh, at a horror convention. Check yeah. out our horror convention. And we had, a, and then we had, a, so the, you know, then technically, then we we did both participate in the sleepover because we watched I guess it. we de- probably did because it was my slept. first time, and I don't know when was the last time you'd seen it. Prior to that, I guess I feel like you had watched it. I had maybe watched the bootleg once with like uh, Dave and Steve, the brothers Hastings, and then. Uh, 
And then we watched it. So I watched it uh, with the Hastings, but I probably hadn't seen it. Probably hadn't seen the movie for a decade, <laughs> at least, for a really fucking long time. And did you watch the uh, the, the original VHS? Because I evidently only had one original VHS release. Did you watch that with them? Or did you, by this time, must have watched the bootleg you had? Yeah, yeah that was the bootleg that was probably just from yeah, that original that VHS. V- that VHS. Uh, th- I, for some reason, I thought it was like from overseas. Well, I guess we should probably tell everyone what we're doing on this week's edition of Saturday Night <laughs> Movie Sleepovers. We're heading back to 1987. Uh, if uh, the tagline is, uh, you know who to call if you, have go- if you have a problem with ghosts. But who do you call if you have a problem with monsters? Monster Squad. <laughs> the Monster Squad. So we're doing the Monster, Monster Squad. Squad. Directed by uh, Fred uh, Decker. Fred Decker. The great yeah. Fred Decker. The, yeah, the great... What a, what, a, what a crazy story he has. Boy genius. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And is this also Shane Black's first movie that he co-wrote with Fred Decker? It, it may have... It may be. I mean, obviously... Uh, Lethal Weapon People fame. in the know uh, know that he went on to write the Lethal Weapon movies and... Uh, Last Boy Scout. Um, well, he did a whole slew of Predator... He's in Predator. He's in Predator as well. Um, and he did Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Does he get like. credited in Predator? I know one of us, they wanted him to do rewrites while he was there. But I don't know. I don't know if he gets credit for actually doing any writing on Predator. Uh, I also thought this was this is very Predator, Predator-esque, the makeup in some of this as well. This is um, Stan Winston. Yeah. You're great, great. The Gill Man. I mean, it's beautiful it's, makeup. What, what excuse do you have for a guy as great as Stan Winston to then take stuff from the great Jack Pierce and then do your own version of it 80s of fight or just maybe <laughs> just do your own v- version because uh, I guess they said prior to the film they they when they were looking to put it together they went to Universal and Universal passed on it yeah. so because of that Universal Universal has copyrighted uh, certain aspects of say certainly Frankenstein how he looks with the bolts on his neck so and the flat head yeah and, stuff. and so like when Hammer the, the horror film company the English company in the 50s tried to redo theirs that's why they had to ch- alter Frankenstein dramatically and all that because it couldn't be copyright infringement so I guess you know take, take Stan Winston and do all the all the whole catalog of Wolfman Mummy Frankenstein Dracula and uh, the creature from the Black Lagoon uh, and redo them it's, just, it's such a wh- when else can you ever do that you know <laughs> on such a main sh- you know stage uh, scene yeah it's um you know, the cons of Fred Decker grew up, you know, big fan of movies, obviously. He went to UCLA, but not as a film major, didn't get into the film program as an English major. But he wanted to make movies, hung out with a lot of filmmakers. Um, his first writing credit is he wrote, I can't remember his roommate's name at the time, but he wrote House. Yes. With uh, a roommate of his, which he originally wanted to direct. And then his roommate took a stab at his idea of house, and it was very different. But then they kind of wrote it, and then got, uh, and then sold it to, uh, like Sean Cunningham and Steve Miner, and it got made into house. And then he made, of course, Night of the Creeps. Night of the Creeps is which is a classic. Yeah, I guess he said that. Uh, what is it, Monster Squad? Is, is it Monster Squad hadn't been, or Night of the Creeps hadn't been released yet? It was getting a lot of buzz, or is it the the reverse? He made Night of the Creeps. First, but on the buzz of it, as it was before it was actually released, and clearly as they were doing reshoots and stuff, because there, there's a in one of the public bathrooms you can see like graffiti on the wall that says like Monster Squad Forever or something like that. So he had obviously had written or was writing Monster Squad with Shane Black, and then um, based on 
basically the momentum of his career and you know the what people the buzz or like you said the buzz around night of the creeps that monster squad got greenlit yeah kind of like sheerly based on that you know i used to work for a guy uh still a good friend of mine frank he always says uh in action you always have to be in action it's true because like if you're doing stuff then everybody wants you to do more stuff it's when you're kind of taking taking some time off and all of a sudden you're not doing things anymore people, people forget about you people don't think there's something wrong and i, I i've I think I've maybe uh, I was gonna say maybe I knew Night of the Creeps prior to this, but I guess I, I found them at the same time because Night of the Creeps became like in syndication on television, and it was always that movie. I never knew what it was. Like I, I knew it was Night of the Creeps, but then I only knew it through television. So yeah, I never thought yeah. of it in any other kind of context. I didn't really discover Night of the Creeps until much much later because, which is it's a <laughs> it's kind of a weird thing because, you know, like I said, I didn't grow up with cable, so I didn't have you know, access to as many channels and stuff that would get shown. and But at the same time, I say I didn't grow up with it, but my dad had it. So I actually saw Monster Squad on the fir- for the first time, like on HBO or Prism, that, that, which is a Philadelphia <laughs> channel or Cinemax or something, on cable at my dad's house. That That's it's just that's brilliant. You know, it's just so such a good, you know, way to be introduced to it. I mean, you know, and to talk about the movie specifically, it has that... Um, that I don't know what you wouldn't call it innocence, but it has that '80s innocence of it. Just they're, they're pulling no punches. They they call it, like say faggot left and right. You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I'd be, I mean, I'd, I'd be surprised if if you scrutinize the film, you could probably find some nudity maybe on television or like a poster in the background. You know, they're swearing. They're you know, it's 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 just it's they're, they're you know, it's the uh, Wolfman's got nards. You know, it's like that's what became a, a, a yeah, staple yeah. for us for years. Um, it's just it's it's one of those times where I don't know if you can do that now, you know, and, and completely get oh, away no, with it. It's it's so not PC. One of the semesters that I taught the horror film class, one of the last classes I taught were was film and comedy. Yeah, and it was actually probably like it was like the last class or the second to last class, and um, taught a, a college class. Yeah, and then one of one year I sh- I decided to show this. As, uh, as like my horror comedy. I love this. You had like guinea pigs. How what was the reception? Of it? Um, I don't. I, I don't recall. The only thing I remember is somebody came. A guy came up to me. He's like, "Oh, he's like, I haven't seen this movie in forever. Like, I remember from when I was little. I'm so it's so awesome that you showed it." Um, but like you were saying with the VHS, it was like really hard to get your hands on a copy of this movie for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Like it was a VHS, and then that kind of went out of print. And it had stopped getting run on television for a long time. And so it wasn't until, like, you know, like 2005-ish that it came out on DVD where, like, all of a sudden you could really get your hands on it. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I had a bootleg before that that I got at a horror convention. But Well, evidently, in 2006, they did, like, a, uh, a screening and a cast, like, uh, reunion at an Alamo Drafthouse. Probably yeah, yeah. Austin's Alamo Drafthouse. Yeah, yeah. And... It, they did two nights, and they, both nights were sold out. People, like, flew in. And then they said, like, the people said, hey, if you want to see this on DVD, you know, write snail mail, write um, whoever owned it, at the t- you know, and I think touched it, I don't know who owns it. Yeah. And then they, that uh, begot the, re- the DVD release, and then, you know, with the all these great special features and stuff. Uh, it's it's just such a it's such a fun movie. It's just like it's you know you, you know another movie I s- that I've never seen since I got it the night it came out on video uh, that is m- very much like this is you remember Little Monsters with with um, Fred Savage? Oh yeah, with Fred. That movie is like I don't completely uh, unwatchable. It's movie. Howie Mandel as well, right? Howie Mandel is the monster, and the fun the thing I watched it 
I don't remember anything about that except there's a monster that lives under your bed, and, he, and through that you can go into a different world. I tried to watch that a few years ago with uh, a friend of mine, a late night viewing, and it was, <laughs> it's, it's trying. Is it as bad as the, 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 what is it, the night of the video one dead or video dead? Or, <laughs> which, which is that <laughs> the, one? The video dead, yeah. The video dead, which is It's right. a completely different, the only thing I, I came away from, I don't even think we finished it, the only thing I came away from it was, I thought it was really interesting that Daniel Stern plays Fred Savage's dad, because Daniel oh. Stern is the voice of uh, oh, yeah. grown-up Fred Savage from the Wonder, Wonder Years. years. And we have that kid. His his brother's in this movie, Monster Squad, who's also in Pee Wee's Big Adventure, the the redhead kid. Oh yeah, Wayne plays Wayne. In yeah, Wonder Years. And then he at the end the of, he, he's uh, the, the child actor on the set when Pee Wee finds uh, his bike at the, when they're f- filming like the orphanage or whatever it was with the nuns. The um, but Monster Squad, yeah, there was like it seems like there was this run of movies like Kids on an Adventure. Yeah, and, and I don't really great. know what happened to that because. I mean, I guess I don't know what kids' movies are like now, but I guess well, I, you know, I watch. Uh, I, I will, for full disclosure, say I'm a fan of the um, the, the Diary of a Wimpy Kid movies, and those mm-hmm. are hilarious. And so, they've gone two different routes. I think they've gone the route where it's all very much like, you know, the the Dennis the Menace. Uh, you know, they've done a couple sequels, live action for that, or the Little Rascals, or you know, or I guess the Olsen Twins, what they used to have in the early odds, or it's kind of like a little geared towards us where it's kids but then it's clearly not a kids movie yeah you know there's you don't have that down i mean the, the only movies that i could think of off the top of my head and this is like now we're talking still 10 years at least ago was i felt like the spy kids movies were kind of like that you know taking kids and they have to step up to the plate and they're on an adventure to do whatever find something or save the world yeah and you love those other. movies Robert Rodriguez right? yeah I like the Spy Kids yeah. movies I mean I haven't seen the you saw didn't the you see the 3D one in 3D you were like, you I went did I saw three oh, I, saw, I saw the first three of them in the movie theater um, yeah it's weird it's, that is certainly like a genre you think but it's also it's, it's the right timing too it's like it really to me it felt like it was like a love letter to that era of the 50s like you know once the the war came on the universal movies kind of died the big monster movies and then you had smaller ones they certainly made like the wolfman in the 40s and a lot of the the mashups and then they kind of came back into vogue with the comedy because they went you know uh, admin costello and then in the 50s you had like the you know say the monster magazine that forrest ackerman did yeah or that whole resurgence well like curse of frankenstein curse of frankenstein was the first time uh Frankenstein had been in the, mon- the Frankenstein's monster had been in a movie since like the Abbott and Costello monster movie. That's Hammer. Yeah. Yeah. So they were really kind of reviving what was considered a dead genre of like classic movie monsters or liter- literary monsters. In the but it seems like it was in the fifties. A lot of they were in like the psyche that you know they were like in uh, the public eye. Maybe not through movies but maybe like I don't know TV well I would like, think ima- you know, toys, I would imagine that a lot of you know those I mean? universal movies were now becoming uh, big television because the creature didn't come his movie didn't come until 1955 so this that could have been the height of this resurgence yeah we had the uh, the creature from the Black Lagoon and then you had the revenge of the creature in the next 56 or so and that's Clint Eastwood's well you'd movie. think about like you know like Romero George Romero for instance he talks about how the Universal monster movies, but he was seeing them in a re-release or on television. Yeah. Um, so the advent of television really kind of changed things because now you're you're able to see things 
again, yeah. <laughs> you know, for the first time. Yeah, people forget that, that like when you went to the movies in the old days, once it was out of the movies, you never saw it again unless it got a re-release or a rerun in some lower, you know, so you'd, I mean, I don't even, I don't even think you can bootleg it. That's why I love also there's, there was a whole, the whole other genre that we always forget was radio. So at the time to keep certain movies alive, they would do different radio play versions of the movie like the Maltese yeah, yeah. Falcon with different actors you yeah. can have the or radio sometimes show sometimes with the same actor. Or, yeah they do like uh, what's his face Cary Grant did so you like, get like a 25 minute version of oh yeah like a very a very a very, story a very, a, very bridged version of like uh, you know yeah uh, Mr. Blanding's Builds His Dream House with two different actors like Irene Dunn and then the girl that was actually in the movie or vice versa the one he yeah, wanted yeah. you know so it's, it was a great time for that kind of thing but you couldn't see the movie itself until I guess TV you know they realized that this thing called syndication so they'd have all this so Monster Squad to me seems very much like a love letter to that whole 67s like the Aurora models of the 70s like low oh yeah, yeah you know I mean? and you know it's also very much uh, calling back to those Abbott and Costello movies it was like Fred Decker's like idea was let's what if we did like the little rascals yeah. meet Dracula and Frankenstein? Which it, but it works because they do it in such a good I mean, like even the beginning, the prologue, you know, I mean, so you want to tell the plot quickly? Okay, so, uh, <clears throat> I mean, the movie begins. Van Helsing is trying to uh, stop Dracula. Perhaps every hundred years, th- there's like this jewel that is all good, and every hundred years, the jewel can be destroyed, the amulet can be destroyed. And the only way to really stop the evil for real is in a very Evil Dead 2 Army of Darkness-esque. <laughs> Make that, that, that wormhole a limbo. <laughs> you have to open this, like, giant wormhole that will suck things into limbo. Um, so the, <laughs> the beginning opens, big prologue, like, type on it's screen. so funny. Not even narrated. No, it's just, it's just like, to read it. For, like, you know, you imagine James Earl Jones or something <laughs> reading it. Should have been the way they to should, go. Yeah, they, they probably could have got that. And uh, and then it's like, and then the last line is, they blew it. <laughs> <laughs> and then we see this action scene. And then go 100 years into the future, and we have this group of kids. I do have to uh, shout out a line there. There's the part where you have Van Helsing's like yelling at the girl to, to read the, the book. And he's like, read or we are going to die. <laughs> and it's very much to be like... Duh. Temple of Doom, where he's, you know he's telling her to find the thing to stop the contraction. A beautiful set piece. Oh, it's in great. That opening it's very much the like the original, the staircase from the original Universal, kind of. And you get the you know nice model of the castle in the first oh, it's, shot. Yeah, it's, and, and you know he's and he has kind of like um, shades of like Peter Cushing, kind of, you know, but, the Van Helsing. But in a nutshell, hundred years in the future, we have now contemporary mid eighties, mid to late eighties. We have a group of kids obsessed with monsters. They have a monster club. There's, we mentioned our clubhouse earlier. It's in a tree. It's a treehouse. Awesome. Covered with like the sweetest posters, like a zombie. Yeah, Lucio yeah, Fulci Lucio zombie, Fulci zombie poster, poster in the background. Circus of vamp- Vampire Circus. A lot of great posters. Th- th- different levels as well. There's an observation area with a telescope <laughs> that like the uh, the cool kid is coming over to like he wants. He says he's going to join their club, but he's really trying to uh, you know get, look at the next girl, the girl next door, like yeah. getting dressed. So we have this very a very eighties idea, much like Back to the Future. <laughs> very. Uh, and we have this group of kids, and uh, and at the same time, parallel action, we have Dracula has now come back 100 years later. Because, like, as we stated, every 100 years you can destroy this amulet that uh, represents it, good. It's like, yeah, it's, all, it's like concentrated goodness. <laughs> yeah, and, <laughs> and, and it gets, uh, when, when the forces of good and evil are at the it's peak. It's all about equilibrium. And it's things somehow this thing becomes vulnerable, and then you have only a time oh, period you can destroy It's a lot of mumbo-jumbo that yeah. you don't really need to know. It's a McGovern. <laughs> 
I'm a uh, governor, MacGuffin. And uh, Dracula assembles like all the classic movie monsters. We got Frankenstein's monster played mm-hmm. by the great Tom Noonan. Tom Noonan, uh, which which should be let's well we'll talk about Tom Noonan in a minute. Keep going. Uh, we have Wolfman. Yeah. We have a mummy. And we have basically what's the creature from the Black Lagoon, but they can't call him that because that's copyright, and so it's, he's the Gill Man. The Gill Man, yeah. Uh, um, awesome Man is makeup. Jonathan Grius. Grius, Grius, I think his name is. He's from Edna's Dead Mother. A lot of great movies, that character actor. Um, and so he assembles this thing because he wants to, I guess, take over the world. It's yeah. the, the biggest thing, plot. So then this group of kids who knows a lot, they know a lot about monsters. His mom at some like garage sale <laughs> ends up buying him like a diary or something by Van Helsing. Cause evidently Van Helsing's disciples uh, migrated from wherever they were in England or Eastern Europe to yeah. the Americas to hide this amulet. So they hid it in this house. And I guess there was a garage sale once all the, <laughs> all the, uh, the, the disciples died off and mom bought this mom. Who's from lethal weapon. She's the psychiatrist. Yeah, she's weapon. like the, if you're not going to have, like... Uh, She's very spacey. Yeah, but if you're not going to have, like, D. Kate Wallace... Ca- or Kate, Kate Capshaw. <laughs> you know, like, the mother, the blonde mother. If it's not, like, D. Wallace, it's this, this woman, woman yeah. in, in 80s movies. And she buys it from She doesn't realize she gets it home. It's in German. And then, in the meantime, Dracula has, I guess, rented out the house. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so he's hanging out there, and he's trying to figure out where the... The amulet is in the house. It's in some kind of catacombs, protected by like crosses and all kinds of crap in the basement. And basically, once the kids uh, discover what the what Dracula's plot is, to, his diabolical plot to take over the world, once they discover that that is happening, they decide they're the only ones that can stop it because obviously they're not going to be able to convince grown-ups that monsters exist. You know, so they have to take it among themselves, and so it's. This group of kids, they changed their names from the Monster Club to the Monster Squad. Yeah. And they're going they're to... they're being deployed. <laughs> and they're going to stop this uh, evil plot by Dracula. Um, they take... There's a... Like, you know, there are so many conventions. Uh, either, like, you know... You know, story-wise or 80s film-wise. In this case, they have... There's, like, a creepy house on the street and you know there's a scary old guy that lives there which the lawn is very, is very unkept <laughs> very urban legendy you know, there's always like every neighborhood has that one creepy <laughs> well i love house. how they they bring in the uh the the aspect of he's a german guy so we're thinking he's a nazi but then when they first encounter him you see that he has the, yeah. the uh scary the, german guy the jewish that's what they call him he has the jewish uh tattoo of concentration camps so it's, like, <laughs> it's quite the opposite he dealt with the monsters of the real 20th century so it's like oh you immediately yeah, feel yeah, that's for the him. big moment of it's a good reveal and it works you know you're like oh he isn't like some he isn't Ian McKellen from um you know the Stephen King movie where he's yeah, yeah. Uh, you know uh, that's a great movie where he plays the the, the Nazi hiding out apt pupil yeah, so you have that going. You're right. You know, and then you have, uh, you know, you have the town square. <laughs> you know, so they always <laughs> like that town is very like the the town in New England or you know yeah, wherever. Yeah. You know, um, and I also love what I one of the things I love about this movie is like the 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 archetypes, the archetypes or whatever. It's scary German guy. His name is scary German. Guy. Yeah, yeah. The fat kid. His name is fat. Kid. Yeah, you don't realize you don't you don't uh, find out to the end of the movie what he really. His name well, really we is. find out in the beginning because uh, Rudy calls him it. Oh, He's horrors. like, Horace, are you okay? Yeah. When the, the the fat kid's being teased by Wayne from The Wonder Years and his friend. Yeah. And uh, we have a new member of the club joins who's a, a middle schooler. 
Yeah. He's a junior high kid. He's that badass uh, 80s with the he's shades. The leather of 50s. jacket on. Yeah, he's got his, his. The bottom of his jeans are cuffed and up. He sticks up for Horace. So Horace gets him and, you know, says you should join the Monster Club. And uh, that's really, you know, where we. That's really the what, the, what the plot is. I mean, we have the we have the group. We have Sean is the uh, leader. Who I don't. He's in a lot of stuff back then. He's yeah. so oh, so familiar. Patrick, who's like his next door neighbor. Yeah. Who's he's very much friend. like the like the Ralph Mouth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Of the group, and uh, we have Horace, who's the fat kid. Yeah. Ru- Rudy, who's like the rebel. Yeah. Who's the older rebel. Eugene, who I don't know how Eugene really fits into the mix, Eugene but they have this is, like little, really little kid. Well, that I guess that group. kind of gives you the little little rascals aspect. He's the kid that's barely able to like say a word, or he's you know the one that gets carted around in like the radio flyer. And Eugene know? has a dog. Yeah. And then uh, Sean's little sister, the leader, Sean's little sister Phoebe. Yeah, who's uh, like five-ish, yeah. and she's great. I think she she's the best out of them all acting through the movie. I love her the best uh, oh, yeah. of the kids. Uh, and, and it's a, it's a weird dichotomy they all have. They all have these these like you're saying these roles. They all fill out, and then they they they, they battle the forces of evil, which are you know Frankenstein and his his lot. Now you talked about we you know you were talking about like how it's not really PC. I, you know I wonder if this movie the movie didn't do very well. Um, you know there's a lot of speculation as to why, and I think some of it like Fred Decker, his you know I think it's. You know, parents might have been too afraid to take their kids to see it, you know, because of monsters and stuff. And it is PG-13. And some of it is kind of scary. And it is, like, there's, there's bad language. And there's some fucked up shit in the movie. I feel like at the time there were so many of these that were coming out that were kind of flopping. You know, like Howard the Duck. And then there's probably, like, teenagers that probably would have found it a lot of fun but probably didn't see it because they thought it was a kids movie yeah. so there was like, kind of like but it wasn't it seemed like there were a lot of flops at this time of these kind of movies you know like Howard the Duck or um, there was another one I was just like I think that Little Monster didn't really do too well or Garbage Pail Kids yeah but so you had like a lot of these but I mean like this kind of a genre where it's like there's just they're throwing these kind of things at kids and it's like yeah I don't know you know that, what do you, what, which one do you, choose? you know, do you choose but I also feel like with this movie like, is it really a kids' movie, or is it like, it, if, you know, I, I think, yes, I think, you know, like, I saw it when I was little, and I think kids of our generation that saw it, you know, we did lo- we did kind of love it, because it is a lot of fun and stuff, but at the same time, I feel like it was made for, like, the nostalgic adult. Yeah. You know, not so much, because it's really not so much a kids' movie, <laughs> I mean... I mean, there's some fucked up shit in it. I mean, you know, of course, in classic horror movie, the one black guy dies, and his fucking the car explodes. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) Sean's dad is a cop, and his partner gets killed. And he's the guy from (laughs) Harlem Nights, the boxer. I forget his name. He's a great. He's you could tell he was an 80s actor that wanted to go somewhere. I think he's probably still around. He Uh, just. in an explosion, he just gets killed off. Yeah, just just in a horrible car explosion. We need to kill somebody off. yeah, and it has you know they like the you know the end the kid reading the seance he's got a, they have to they have to have the little girl read the, the yeah uh, there's this whole they, they need a virgin which is a compl- to another read to read the passage and so uh, Patrick like the uh, like I said the Ralph Mal character he uh, Happy Days reference for people that are too young to know what that is uh, he's got an older sister who's like the hot girl 
and Rudy's got like a crush, and on that's her. the one he's watching, right? And so Rudy's watching her from the from the tree from the treehouse. What voyeurism isn't that bad? Um, they they ask her if she's a virgin. She says yes. And then she reads the passage. and Nothing happens, and it's a great moment right, right, for, for, for that character, the kid. He's like, "You're not a virgin, well, are you, you?" And you don't expect either. You're like, "Oh no, come on!" <laughs> it's a, you know, she's like, "Well, uh, you know, Sean, but he doesn't count." He's like, "Doesn't count." <laughs> yeah, I know, it's very. There's a, there's a lot of concepts in here that are very adult, and I guess so. They must have been appealing to the time where they're you're trying to appeal to the to the parent because it is a throwback to when the parents of that time would have been younger, 50s, 60s, 70s. You know. Yeah, yeah. But like I said, I, I think that is maybe the big problem with the movie in terms of marketability at the time. Is that, like, it's clearly... Watching it this time around, it does. it feels much more like Fred Decker making a nostalgic movie of something... You know, it feels much more nostalgic than a genuine children's movie. And, it, and it, I wonder if it sadly was a little late in the sense if this came out in the 70s when you had the big resurgence of like the uh, you know the Ho- Hammer or the Roger Corman films or the, the Aurora models you know it could have been a little better but in the 80s you can't really think of anything specifically I mean you had the Franklin Jella vampire versions mm-hmm. of movies but aside from that there wasn't I don't think there was a big significant Frankenstein or we had a couple Wolfman movies you know the Howling and the um, the American Werewolf in yeah. London, Teen Wolf, Teen Wolf, <laughs> yeah, you know, which kind of fits in here. So it's like you had them. Creature hadn't seen a, you know, Creature had been on Scooby Doo, I think, you know, or the Gill Man, you know, you don't really see him anymore. So it, it was kind of like, you know, hard, you, you know, to, to it hear the audience and how you're, you're saying it's a little more nostalgic as it was being like, I guess, current relevant, yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, and it, it, it's fun. I think it works. I think it's it's so funny. Well, I think it's why. I mean, I, and by saying that it's more nostalgic than a genuine kids movie, I feel like that's why it has longevity in a cult sense. Yeah. Because like I could watch it today, and it's a fucking hoot. Yeah. You know, whereas like, you know, we've ta- we've discussed maybe doing something like Goonies or, or later as a as another uh, episode or of this podcast, you know, tackling movies like that. Um, for me, and we'll t- obviously talk about it a lot more if we if we end up doing it. For me, like Goonies doesn't hold up. Yeah, and I think maybe that's why It's because like it is like a kids movie, like geared towards kids, not so much for adults. Whereas like I feel like this movie fucking nails it. Yeah, and I feel like that's why like I can you know I've seen this movie like five times since we watched it. You know, whenever I had that bootleg, so yeah. over the last. 10 years I've now watched it like 5-6 times and it just delivers every time because it's funny and it's not too childish and it is very nostalgic and at least for me since I hit like my 30s like I, like nostalgia occupies a lot of my time and it really was like one of the reasons why we started this cast was to be nostalgic about yeah. movies from a certain uh that we saw at a certain time in our lives um and so like it just kind of hits the hits the nail on the head for me i'd like this movie it's just like wall-to-wall fun and like the piece the, the non-pc stuff about it it's like it's a little jarring, but like hilarious. Yeah, no, you know, like there's this whole like plot line, subplot where Phoebe, the little girl, and Frankenstein have like a friendship, and it's really like the emotional heart of the movie. And it's very, it's great how it's introduced because they really pay a, 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 a 
homage to the original Frankenstein for that deleted scene, which I guess they put in later on, where yeah, yeah. the girl's by the lake, and, the, and they, they even frame it that way. Yeah, so, yeah. like, for, for the person who's kind of aware of that, you see it's framed, she's playing by the water, and then and you throwing see... Throwing, like, flowers into the water. Yeah, and then in the original movie, Frankenstein comes over, throws the flowers into what is out of flowers, doesn't realize, throws the girl in the water, she dies, and he doesn't realize, like, oh, and then the townspeople are like, he killed the girl, we're killing this whole plot of the other movie. So it's, you know, you're like, oh, no, you, you automatically feel like, is he going to do something to the... Is this going to happen again in this movie? But then Well, in the context of the plot, I mean, he's there to kill them. He's yeah. been ordered by Dracula to retrieve... Van Helsing's book, which and is a, you know, Dracula's been playing it cool up to this point, and then Dracula's just like, you know, let's let me have the the most. It's not like he's sending someone stealthy. I'd send the mummy because mummy goes <laughs> at night. You know, mummy just you know, yeah, Frankenstein yeah. just go, dun, dun, dun. you know, he's gonna just knock into people, cops shooting at him. He's gonna bring the whole world back with him. Oh, God, if you must, <laughs> you know, with like SWAT teams, <laughs> seventy helicopters, you know. But uh, so she starts up this friendship with uh, the Frankenstein's monster, and then she introduces him to the to the guys to the monster squad <laughs> he's like don't be a chicken yeah, shit, yeah. she says this little <laughs> five-year-old he's our friend don't be a chicken shit i, I tell you she's great in it yeah yeah so uh, uh, there's a lot of that like five-year-old girl saying chicken shit it's hilarious and and but it doesn't seem inappropriate you're like ah. Oh. um and it has so so much of that 80s going we have an 80s montage we oh have, i was that's exactly like this is like if there was a check if we had like a monster vision style like you know, Monster Vision classic show. Uh, Joe Bob Briggs, um, he would have the drive-in totals, and we, had, we got two exploding heads. We got three boobs. <laughs> you know, it'd be like a list of things. Like if we had a, like the quintessential Saturday night movie sleepover like checklist, it would be like musical montage yep. <laughs> in the middle at the end credits, a song about the movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, 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 by the by the name <laughs> by the same title, the Mod Squad by the Mod Squad. I'm not uh, Monster Squad. By the yeah, Monster like, Squad, you know there was this late '80s into '90s, this huge thing where there'd be like a rap song or a song that was about the movie with like maybe clips from the like yeah, audio samples. clips. Like and, uh, yeah, it's just freaking hilarious. So we have the mon- we have a classic montage in the middle. We got that. We got the it, great song "Rock Till You Drop" by Michael Cimbalo, who is a great guy who. Uh, was Stevie Wonder's guitarist in the 70s, but then went on to write Maniac, and that's his song. She's a maniac. Oh, okay, yeah. Man, that's Michael Cimbalo. And he, that's his rock until you drop. Rock and, you know. So you have one, and he was big in the 80s, too, and it's just like, oh, it's just such a... It, it got everything going. Yeah, it's got the, the montage. is like them getting ready, getting everything ready. <laughs> it's the A-team montage. I love, like, Rudy. He's in shop. He's making wooden sticks, and then... Making bullets. <laughs> I don't know how he's making. He's, he's taking. He's making silver bullets. He's I don't like know where smelting. He's, and where he's smelting. <laughs> they must have a rifle team at the school, or maybe he's at the vocation college. I don't know. Um, it's, it's just great. Now the casting is very good as well because you have like people like Tom Noonan, who we were going to say, who we love Tom Noonan, and I guess he had just done Manhunter, um, Manhunter, which is another ca- uh, one I think down the line we can have on this cast because I just love myself some Michael I love, Man, I love Manhunter as well Manhunter it's just got so I mean, much going th- on not like this movie <laughs> no it's not no it is not except that we Tom, have Tom Noonan Tom Noonan in it, in it. Um, I mean he shows up in the weirdest stuff remember that uh, Wolfen he's in Wolfen that might be like one of his first roles yeah um, uh, more recently, he's in House of the Devil. He um, plays a weird part of House of the Devil, and he was in something as well I saw kind of recently, too. Who was he? He was a preacher in a Western. He was somebody making a trip. 
I'll, I saw some maybe some independent Western. I Heat's forget. been on a lot lately. And he's he he's a got a weird he's cameo in Heat. Small part in Heat. Um, yeah, he, and of course, Last Action Hero. I love him in Last Action Hero. You know, that's another movie that everybody shits on, and I, I, I still will stand up and say. Also, maybe written by Shane Black. Uh, Might be. Uh, th- I'm a big fan of Last Action. Hero. I like Last Action here. Nobody that, likes. You know, even the, even Schwarzenegger fans I, cite it. As I a think bad movie. there's a pretty good chance you're going to be seeing Last Action Hero. <laughs> you're going to be listening to us talking about yeah. Last Action. Hero. There's a whole slew of Schwarzenegger movies like Commando at, at and some <laughs> point. <laughs> you know, because I, I agree. I don't think Last Action Hero gets its due. You know, it came out the same summer as Jurassic Park. It right? came out within a few weeks of it. Like so, that completely killed it. And it was. It might have even been released the same weekend. And that's a big no. They had such a huge campaign last. Movie Art Carney started. ACDC, come on. ACDC, you know, <laughs> Sharon Stone's a whole bunch of, bunch of cameos. Anyway, anyway we, we digress. <laughs> but uh, Noonan is great. And remember what year? We, you and I have a Tom Noonan story, which is very odd and haunting. <sighs> I don't know what year that was. It was in college. 98, 99? Yeah, we were... We were 2000 at the latest, probably. We were, we were in film school. We were buying film at Kodak uh, in uh, on the west side near... Um, uh, Penn Station and, the and funny MSG. enough, the corner that we're going to be talking about is like my corner now. Oh, like really? Where I live. <laughs> oh, okay, that makes sense. Uh, that also might be the that movie. Um, is your, is your, is your, I don't want to. We won't get into the specifics <laughs> of where you actually live, but you know that Scorsese movie, the uh, Something Dead. The, you know, their ambulance drivers. Oh, the I cage. haven't seen that movie in so long. I think I'll have to rewatch yeah, you have to, you have to rewatch it. There's a scene that takes place over there, that, and I thought that was the same area we saw Noonan. But anyway, we, we, you and I were buying film on the west side because you used to get a discount at Kodak. Uh, and then we were walking down like 8th or 9th going to Hero Boy. We were going, it was 9th. Yeah. It Which we actually did a cast at. We've, we've done a I, cast I think we were walking north. We must have been coming back, maybe walking to Grand Central or to the film processing place yeah Maybe a, a there's, one a, there's that film building there's like a oh you mean magno yeah we, there's we, like that film center building we might have been walking there from on ninth avenue okay, so we were going up ninth and that means we just must have passed the port authority yeah and you and i were, we're walking, walking behind somebody <laughs> we're walking behind this enormously tall guy yeah and he's holding two kids hands two two little girls that were under the age i'd say of six and they both have swimming costumes on. Yeah, uh, well, they piece. were wearing, like... The only thing I remember is they were wearing, like, swim... Caps. Caps. But they had swimming... That were, like, metallic... And they had matching... Uh, or maybe not matching, but they had swimming... One-piece swimming costumes on. So they'd, they'd just been swimming, and I, I assume they must have had flip-flops on or something. They're not walking barefoot. Yeah, yeah. And he's holding the hands of in each arm of, the, of these two little girls. And and I think they were going slow. So maybe so we, we, we walked around to pass him, and he's... And he, like, stopped at the corner. But he's singing. We got the whole world No, no, I thought it was head. Lime in the Coconut. Is he... He was... Oh, okay. I okay. think it was Put the Lime in the Coconut. He's singing. <laughs> As we both... He's singing Put Lime in yeah. the Coconut. And we go around him to pass him on the, on the sidewalk. We, we kind of... You and I look just to look, just look at him, and we both realize it's Tom Noonan. And we're like, whoa. And, and, and I think he must have realized that we realized. So then we kept walking. We got ahead of him. And then he, he crossed the street with the girls... And then it was the old, uh, like, uh, Sasquatch where he looked back and we looked <laughs> at him. And then there was the recognition because I remember he had a big beard at the yeah, time. Yeah. And he had the recognition that we must have recognized him. So yeah. it was almost like he was like caution. I don't know. Maybe those girls are kidnapped. I don't know. <laughs> Let's hope he knew. Well, that. that's not a legend. Yeah, I mean, no, <laughs> we don't have any proof of anything. No, no. He's probably his relatives. But I will say with Tom Noonan uh, on the special edition DVD, there's a very funny feature where they interview somebody's interview. He's. 
doing like a improvisational interview as Frankenstein. Yeah. It's the concept of like, oh, Frankenstein, you haven't worked in a long time. Like, you hadn't worked since like the Hammer movies. Uh, and it's kind of funny. It's a little long-winded, uh, but that happens with improvisation. And the other thing that's notable is there's a lot of like, there's like, there are, there's like a documentary that's broken into parts on the special edition that's longer than the movie. Yeah. It's like minutes. five minutes longer than, yeah. than the actual movie. And Tom Noonan comes off a little bit like a dick. Yeah, he does come off a little, a little much like He's he. like, the girl feet girl played VB was annoying. Uh, <laughs> well, because he only interacted with <laughs> them. I was an them. asshole to Fred Decker. <laughs> he only interacted with them as Frankenstein. He, he decided to stay in character. He didn't want to ever present himself until after the filming as yeah. Tom Noonan. So he only... I think the same thing with Dracula as well. They said now that the Dracula, because I guess Liam Neeson was also being entertained as the cat yeah, because yeah. Dracula at the time. Um, Lisa, Lisa, but uh, he says that like Phoebe was annoying. He says that the guy that played Dracula was an asshole. Yeah, they didn't get, they didn't get along <laughs> at all. And uh, because he, because basically Dracula, that guy Duncan, whatever his name was, was actually doing the same thing Noonan was doing. They were in character the whole time, so they yeah. clashed. And yeah, Noonan came off kind of weird in the. Uh, in the they talked features. about an argument he had with. Fred Decker about a moment in the film and was just like, well, screw it. I'm not doing it your way. Yeah. So fuck you. <laughs> you know, kind of thing. And I was like, just, you know, I love Tom Noonan probably more than the average guy. We both. <laughs> average, you know, we, we, he, we got two Tom Noonan lovers right yeah, here. We have, a, we have great affinity for him. But uh, he does not come off yeah. Very, doesn't doesn't come off great in that document. Well, then that's why it's even more surprising that he agrees to doing those. You know, I would never after that interview be like, "Do you mind doing an improvisation as uh, as Frankenstein?" Or you know, yeah, I don't know. Well, anyway, uh, but that's our Noonan, and, and, and I mean, there's a there's a bunch of little cameos too. Character actors, the guy who's flying the there's, it's he gets Frankenstein off a of vintage like. Uh, Super Fortress bomber, <laughs> World War II bomber. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. We don't get the context of where that's flying, but it must. I thought it was flying at first over the Atlantic, and uh, these guys are flying, flying these crates back. I guess this is supposed to be like flying New over Orleans the town. or something. I don't know where, like Louisiana, it's swamp country. Yeah, I think it just it's just there's an excuse to have a swamp there. Yeah, you know, it's like because then you look at the town. Like I said, it looks very New Englandy with the town yeah, square yeah. and the town center. So you have Burger King. Yeah, the two big sponsors of this movie are uh, Pepsi and Burger King. You had a lot of old school Pepsi cans and the Pepsi cups, and then Burger King. Uh, and then one of the, the the pilots is the guy who was uh, in Mean Streets, Scorsese's Mean Streets. And he's also like came out to be uh, a brother on like season two or three of The Sopranos. He's that played a, a big lot role. Of, he's in a lot. You would recognize anybody yeah. who's listening to this movie. He's in like four rooms too, isn't he? He might be. You know, um, very much like air eighties TV character. Another another weird movie. It's a weird four rooms that only people. Our age would recognize. Um, so you get a lot of like cameos in there. It's funny. I mean, I recognize the crazy German guy. You know, I've seen him yeah, before. Yeah, he's and around. You know, and then um, of course the mother, the father. You know, uh, father. I don't. You know, he looks familiar, but I wonder if he just like reminds me of Fred Ward or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> that he just like he's like that type. Yeah. Uh, and it's 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 it, it's a really good movie. It's really fun. It's got a lot of moments in it. It's very it's uh. Very surreal. There's a lot of references. References to the Hardy Boys. References to like uh, a lot of stuff at the time. And then you know, I love how um, once Dracula gets settled, he's cruising around in like a, a freaking <laughs> custom Cadillac yeah. hearse. You know, it's not even like he he acquired a hearse. He's got a Cadillac hearse. He's got the right year. It's like a late fifties, early sixties hearse with the big fins. And then if you look at like the uh, the grill and like the the thing on top, the uh, 
the um, the, the, the hood ornament. ornament yeah. yeah, that's it's all custom. It's like wow, Jacqueline has <laughs> took the time to get. I want it all done. <laughs> I want to, the grill to look like cobwebs. You you, you dig, <laughs> you know. So and then he's you know driving around that bad boy, um, and then the house he's in, you know, and the mummy, you know, it's very. It's very good. And I love the aspect of Wolfman. Wolfman's reluctantly doing it. You know, when yeah, he's a normal he's, guy, he's it's, it's, it's that, that classic. Because like, I'm, lock me up. I'm, I'm, I'm going to turn. It's the, very much the Lon Chaney Jr. from the, uh, like you said, the Evan Costello movie at the beginning where he's like, you don't understand. You got to tie me to the chair, you know, to, to, to Luke Costello. I, I, I become an a, a animal after midnight. And then, you know, Luke Costello's like, well, a lot of guys do towards the girls, you know. Yeah, yeah. So it's fun. So you have that, that old classic story going. And then, you know, again, Winston's special effects are just great. Oh, the, the, you know? the suits are great. I and mean. that's why I said that the Gill Man looks a lot like the Mandible Predator two years later. So just, just, just the face, sort of. But Winston and Adam didn't do Predator, though, right? No, but he didn't. He he uh, helped. He helped design, design the the the, design the, uh, the the mandible. You know, because yeah, Jim yeah. Cameron gave him the idea on the flight. I want to see a uh, a monster with mandibles. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe Winston's you're right. Like, oh yeah, Winston okay, that's a good that. idea. And he sketched it out, but it, it kind of because it kind of has mandibles to a certain extent. Yeah, you know? no, that that suit is awesome. Yeah, I mean, I would put like, I'd say like the Gilman suit is probably among his coolest. Like makeups or yeah. suits or whatever design stuff. Yeah, and that's saying a lot because Winston's fucking awesome. Yeah, T hundred, he's in a lot of stuff. Rest in peace. Oh, yeah, rest yeah. in peace, Stan Winston. Uh, so the movie's good, and it's just it's it's the it's other thing. You know, like we not to you know I don't want to go. You just take a step back. We we're talking about like the non PC stuff, PC stuff, like Rudy smokes <laughs> in the movie. Well, that's he's the, like the cool kid smokes. Yeah, that's the first time he interests him. He lights up the cigarette and he's like, and then he's remember when he's hunting? He's hunting the uh, at the end when he's killing the uh, the Dracula's harem. It's kind of like he's like Daryl from Walking Dead, like yeah, before yeah. Daryl with the he's using the stakes and the uh, he's got a, uh, a crossbow. <laughs> I'm a, gonna say they stole Daryl's the character of Daryl from Monster Squad. Yeah, and put him in there. It's 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 all very cool. It it, it you know uh, what do you give it on your scale? Oh, five. Yeah, man. I think it's, five, really, it's just, it, you know what? It just delivers. Yeah. It's fun. The action is well done. Um, it's a shame that, like, Fred Decker's career didn't didn't stand the test of box office, the lack of box office success. I mean, really, like, Monster Squad kind of, you know, ruined his career. Yeah, and then he managed to pick himself up and do RoboCop three, which and then that like really was like the last nail in the coffin for his. But didn't his he? Didn't he doing career. something recently? I don't know about film wise. I know that he, you know the, he went. I think he worked on Enterprise. Like I don't know. I don't remember in what context. I mean, he's worked obviously. Yeah, but, but he hasn't directed like a and feature it's, film. It's, it's, it's a real shame because the, I think the more of the, uh, the crime here is that he's made at least two good movies. I mean, I don't know. I haven't seen RoboCop since 3 since it came out. Two out of three. Two out of three ain't bad. bad. <laughs> Especially back-to-back. Back. Night of the Creeps is a classic. I, I know, mean. but neither one of them were like, was, like, financially successful. Yeah. I mean, but they've, they've both, it's, again, there's that pitfall they acquire, the cult status, which is, like, you, know, you can't wait around forever. You know, you know hopefully uh, 20 years I'll be getting something from this. I can go to conventions. Yeah, it's, it's a weird... Because he's not making, you know, he's not making bank with <laughs> now the DVD sales. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's, it's, it's a tough call. Like, what, what do you think? You think you would, if you made a movie that you would rather, like, it, you'd be, like, number one box office. I mean, I guess it depends on, like, what you, what, what you value. 
like what your priorities are. Would you rather like make a killing in the first couple of weeks and be like a big movie, Get forgotten, or would and and then like kind of forgotten, or would you rather it like not do well, but then twenty years later people appreciate it? I don't know because then look what happened to him. A lot, a lot of these people were it doesn't do well initially, and then they don't have any. They don't think you have any staying power, and it's like kind of like the industry kind of turns its back on you. And eventually, you may get some respect and, and appreciation, yeah, yeah. and you can do the the convention or the screening or the appearance. But you know, if you want to keep working, sadly, you and I have come to grips with in this industry. You have to come up <laughs> yeah, with. Yeah. Well, when we talked about John Carpenter's a thing, you know, that's been like Carpenter's big thing is like he is not that he regrets anything about the movie, but he does like fans like what would his career would have been like had the thing made like killed at the box office the way it really should have. Yeah, you know, like how different would his career have been? Yeah, I mean, it's it's weird. There's just so many good things in this movie. You know, I mean, just the, you know the, the climactic scene at the end when they when they're getting rid of all the uh, the mo- various monsters and you know um, Horus kills uh, the Gill Man and he's like, <laughs> my name is Horus, and he pumps the shotgun. Yeah, well, there's you know, a lot of like, a lot of that. That's you know? the thing is, it's like it's kind of kitschy. But like in the but, be- it's done right but like in the best way, yeah. You know what I mean? Um, you know Rudy's big line, you know, where, you know, they're like he's gonna go kill the girls, and he's like, I'm in the goddamn club, aren't I? Yeah. And he's, he becomes up being like the big badass, which I guess we expected that he was gonna be throughout the whole movie. Um, and then like the thing that I found like one of the things that I found disturbing, not only that the father's partner gets killed in the in the thing it's a throwaway as well yeah and it's like Ugh, no no we loved him <laughs> oh well on with the plot okay is that once they open up like the wormhole like at least two of the cops get sucked into oh, it <laughs> there's like two like well did that you know, like the local beginning? Sh- local deputies <laughs> you know that, that's actually you know it does come full circle because at the beginning like didn't half the townspeople with van helsing get sucked into the thing too a lot of people got sucked in and then at the end of the movie when um, Dracula's dragging the kid in, he stakes Dracula. Dracula kind of lets go of him, and then Van Helsing grabs Dracula yeah, from Hel- inside the worm hell, and he's like, gives him like the thumbs up or a wink or something, you know. And it's like, how long have you been waiting in limbo? You know, that's hundred years. I know, but it, what's the time? <laughs> like, you know, yeah, is yeah. it a minute? Over, you know, there's like, whoo, you know. Uh, and yeah. then, it, then it's really sad because then Frankenstein gets, um, you know, sucked Sucked-in, in. But then, it, it, to, to almost to redeemed for you to be all right with it. He gets scraps the the bunny bear doll that was uh, Phoebe's, yeah. and then he's like, mm, and he's kind of like happy with it that he has that memento of their relationship. So it's so you're like, oh okay, even though he's going into limbo for all eternity, at least he has scraps to keep him company. You know? <laughs> that's 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 how we're gonna you know take comfort in the fact of that he's gonna just be yeah. mm. at, at least two deputies, these two like local sheriffs or deputies get sucked into the wormhole, and then you know what happens? And two years, three years later, it comes up on uh, Robert Stack's Unsolved Mysteries. <laughs> Maybe you could help solve a mystery. It's the, the the effect is so much like the evil and the Evil Dead too, and and almost the Poltergeist. You know, like the the mouth in the closet of Poltergeist. Yeah, it, was yeah. just, it had there that wormhole, like Evil could, Dead too. Where like it's so get, close that you could like cut in, like yeah. Bruce Campbell getting sucked. <laughs> in. Or have him fly by. You know, that'd be cool <laughs> if they did like a digital version of it, or he's into, like into the Monster Squad. Um. Yeah, I think it holds up. It's great, and and hopefully it'll get more kind of like pushing acclaim as the uh, as uh, you know years go on. That it's like a good movie, and people our age will show it to our kids and be like, "This is you know." Yeah, well, I think there's a big. I mean, I don't like you know. This is the we are the age that we are. So I don't know what people who are older than us like. I don't know what like if our parents' generation. 
was as kind of like nostalgic as we are. I think priorities were different. Yeah. In terms of, you know, older generations, you know, like our parents' generation, and then especially like their parents' generation. Like there was like no nonsense. Well, it was the work. I mean, they, they know, fought it the, was, they were the know, They were like generation. in the Depression and they, they were in the World Wars. Yeah. And so like it was Our very parents were the first people to see like have a, you know, like all, all the majority of them went to college and then like, you know. Yeah, like the baby and the baby boomer generation. And that's when priorities. And it was like, you know, our parents' generation had to, and they all had to work hard and stuff and and still i mean even though they went to college and stuff but then they kind of instilled like this like do what you want to do with yeah your they life kind of thumbed their nose at their parents uh and the ideals where it almost became like in the 60s and 70s like the stuff their parents liked like frank sinatra or like those bob hope turned and kind of represented like their parents generation what they didn't like so it's kind of like they rebelled against that but so i d- but i don't i just feel like even though they kind of like instilled this like you know well go to film school like pursue the, the thing that you want to do i don't feel like they had the chance to do that themselves so um i don't think i think like our generation might be and that obviously anybody can uh, be happy to you know say i'm wrong cuz i definitely could be but i feel like maybe our generation and you know, maybe a little bit older than us. So it's like the first generation that is very nostalgic yeah, about things in a way that's very different than like our parents might be, you know? So like the eighties is like a very big thing. Well, it's weird. Right also now. the mentality, you know, of, a, of the eighties, seventies world. I mean, and if, and if you judge it by what's uh, encapsulized in the entertainment, the movies, like an, you can't get away anymore with the '80s plot of the Arnold Schwarzenegger going out and battling an army of guys, where that was completely passable. Chuck Norris can go in and kill a hundred ninjas, you know, or you know Stallone can go Rambo two or so. He can go into like and they drop him in Vietnam, he kills all the Viet Cong, you know. <laughs> and we're like, that's cool. Com- and the commander with with uh, Schwarzenegger. So, it's, but you can't get away with that nowadays. I don't know if we've evolved in our sophistication where we want everything very hyper realistic. We want tricky cam. We want uh, torture porn and we want you know the the ultra violence um, where back then stuff was more acceptable 70s TV you know like the the plots were very just like oh okay you gotta like you yeah, know yeah. I mean at the same salt. time I'm contradicting myself because I say that this movie feels very nostalgic for Fred Decker more so than a, than like a, like a real kids movie should be it's more about nostalgia yeah but I just feel like right now it's like 80s seems like a really huge like and now the 90s are starting to become it's weird kind of <laughs> like nostalgic for yeah. people and um, so I feel like that's also one of the reasons why this movie and movies from that time uh, are kind of hold, holding up and making their you know their way back into kind of pop culture it's also you know it's kind of the information age with the internet so I feel like that also has like a huge thing to do with it like you know if you listen to like even that you watch the special features they talk a lot about like I didn't really know that anybody gave a sh-. the actors are talking about like I didn't know anybody gave a shit about this movie until I started seeing it on the internet yeah and when I like I interview um, for this project I'm working on I interviewed like guys from Goblin for about their scores and they're like the Italian horror the, yeah um, the Italian band. prog band that did like Dario Argento scores and a lot of uh, you know 70s and 80s Italian movie scores and um, but they talk about like they were all but forgotten until about 10 years ago and then all of a sudden because like the internet became a tool then all of a sudden like their music was out there and community 
you know, there's a community online that have come that's together. like worldwide, yeah. but it's people of similar interests coming together and talking about things. Well, it's like the advent of like Christmas story becoming now like, you know, this instant that and uh, Christmas vacation, like yeah, staples. Yeah. That's only happened in the past 10 years or so because of maybe the same phenomenon that, you know, we're kind of like recycling the old, which is, I guess, very, uh, you know, every generation does it to a certain extent. But yeah. it's, it's great when you can still enjoy it that it doesn't feel too dated. Yeah, you know, there's nothing, there's like almost nothing worse than, you know, revisiting something that you fucking loved and you hadn't seen in a really long time or you have very fond, like, specific memories of. And then you watch it and, like, it just does not fucking hold up. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, what the hell? And thankfully, you know, a lot of the movies that we're talking about uh, have been kind of holding up, yeah. I think, for the big, for most things for the most part and uh, this movie is like no different like this movie probably uh, you know it might even play better now than it play than it would have played in like yeah. 1987 for yeah. an audience yeah and I wonder seeing showing it to like kids our age when we saw it now what would you know what would they think of it yeah I don't know I don't that's the thing is this, you know it's a whole other discussion I don't know if anybody would know who the Frankenstein. Well, not that, but like the, the the like the faggot and the smoking of the cigarettes and like the chicken shit yeah. and stuff like that. I don't know if the parents have seemed to become, uh, you know, we talked a lot about it in the actually in the we talked about parenting and stuff in the Willy Wonka cast. Yeah. Um, it, I don't know if you know. All, I think only people that really love this movie would probably give it a chance to show it to their kids. Um, because other than that, like I don't think a lot of people would think it was appropriate. That's no, too, too too PC nowadays, for the right reasons. But at the same time, it's like, well, this is, I guess we're contradicting ourselves now with that too. Like <laughs> this is perfectly good for someone to see, but at the same time, you you understand, to a certain extent. I don't know. I think it holds up. I think it's great. Uh, oh, I think it definitely holds up. I think it holds up a lot better than, uh, its contempor a lot of its contemporaries, yeah. like the kind like similar movies of the time. I don't think hold up quite as you know the ones I can think of off the top of my head definitely don't hold yeah. up. A lot of them having bigger budgets as well. Yeah, yeah. you know, having and being bigger successes. Yeah, um, just do not hold up as well as this movie does. Mm. I mean, they, they may be more popular it, in no small part to like Stan Winston's effects and stuff being like still kind yeah. of like aw- like uh, awe inspiring and, and jaw dropping and, and like how awesome they are. And the script's pretty good. I mean, it gets it gets you going. It's, I mean, some of it's like, ah, you don't need to know. It's more like, as opposed to you letting things pass by, it's more like, you know, well, they've explained as, as much as I need to know about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. You it's know, just, it's it's just A to B to C, you know. It's just fun. As opposed to there's like huge plot holes, you know, but it's fun. And, and it's a nice slant on the genre. You know, they are, they are succeeding in making a quirky comedy that is, in, you know, very much of the Little Rascals or the, the uh, you know Abbott Costello or Martin and Lewis that kind of a yeah, yeah. era of uh, the Bowery Boys you know which is fun and, and I wish we'd see more of that and that's why I kind of watch I guess the Diary of the Wimpy Kid because you're kind of put in those situations where you have the young kids doing crazy stuff so but it, you can't compare Diary of a Wimpy Kid <laughs> with, with the Monster Squad now because it's just two different things this is like the the evil brother so yeah I definitely give it um. Saturday Night Sleepover Stars, I'd probably give it, yeah, uh, 4.5 out of 5 or 5 out of 5. And your Mega Joe Cola is 5 out of 5. I would say 5 out of 5. Just, uh, you know, obviously a very different movie than some of the other ones we've talked about. So for completely other reasons than I might have given, like, The Thing a 5. This is just, like, it It just delivers a good time. 
Yeah. And and maybe one of like I said, maybe one of the most Saturday one of the most sleepover movies we've done yeah. so far. This would be definitely something if you went with your friends, you'd see the cover and be like, This looks awesome. You know, we're gonna get this and we're gonna get like freaking Howard the Duck. <laughs> <laughs> That's a hell of a double feature you know, right there. And if we're going triple feature, we get some other kind of crazy. <laughs> Another movie that's completely inappropriate for kids. <laughs> yeah, you know. It's, yeah, he's, he's, uh, there's bestiality going on in that movie, Which we might, you know, we might talk yeah. about that at a later yeah. date as well. All these movies. Not bestiality, but Howard you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Well, uh, thank you very much for listening this time around. Uh, it has been another two weeks. Always a pleasure never business. Uh, check us out on uh, podwits.com. We're there. We're at always at Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers that can be found at SaturdaySleepovers.podwits.com we're on uh, Facebook we're on iTunes we're on Podjoid we're on Twitter we're uh, at Sat Sleepovers on Twitter um, uh, Blake and I do a uh, sidecast on the Podwits.com we, we delve into a whole bunch of general topics movies, music uh, history, uh, architectural design, and uh, <laughs> landscape architecture. You know, whatever, whatever. It is. Yeah, you know, installing a new tub. And still, we're waiting for requests. Yeah, yes. Yeah, so, yeah, you might be the first. You know, we, we've we've gotten a couple. I've we gotten, have. Yeah, I've gotten a couple. Okay, yeah. well, we'll have we've, we've gotten the jerk. Okay. Yeah, we've gotten the jerk from our good friend Martin McHugh. Uh, he, he's asked us to do the jerk, uh, and uh, I think we've had some more. But that was the most recent. I want to see it on Facebook. Yeah, <laughs> I want somebody to post it. I need to see it in writing. God darn it. I need to see it in print. So. Follow us on Facebook. and Tell fr- tell your friends. Like us. Share us. Love us. All that good stuff. Because we're, we're always going to be here. <laughs> we'll be here. Yeah. So until next time. Later. Later.